The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. First thing I want to do is we have this awesome program, this awesome movement called Impact. Impact is where we had like 130 high school students that were trained to share the gospel in multiple ways. They came up with creative skits. They spent a lot of time preparing and training. And so what I want to do is if you helped out with impact, whether it was driving, cooking food, helping with teaching, you know, working with the kids, whatever you did in impact, if you would please stand up. Tommy Bowling, there we go. Very nice. Thank you, guys. You're going to have a seat. Tommy Bowling said, just at the carnival alone, he gave out 648 snow cones. So we sent home 648 children all sugared up. So I'm sure that's right. And so it's been really cool to watch these, these youth just be so passionate about the gospel and to go out to wherever God has called them to share the gospel. And another person we have here, we have Frank Leeson from Germany. Is Frank here at this service? There he is. Frank is it serving in Germany, so let's give him a TBC thank you. So whether they're serving in the Temple Belton, Rogers, wherever area, or in Germany, it's so cool to see the mission of Temple Bible Church, to have the name of Jesus exalted, and the gospel that is here to change our lives. And so, we, today we celebrate Father's Day. And so every Father's Day, it's a tradition that Gary started, is we have a little competition, okay? A little competition between all the dads, because that's what we do. Dads, we like to compete, right? Of course we do, okay? So here's what we're going to do. I have a book here by Stuart Briscoe called Flowing Streams, and I'm looking for the oldest dad here, looking for the old guy, okay? So if you are 75 and over, please stand. We have any 75 and over. All right. Fantastic. Okay, now there's a gift certificate in here, okay? Okay, so but let's raise the bar a little bit. Let's go with 80. If you are 80 or over, please continue standing. 80 and over. Okay, very nice. Do I have, let's go to 83. 83, if you're 83 and over, continue standing. Okay. Do I have 85? 85 and over. Oh, there it is. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Frank DeSalvo. I want to look at him. (laughs) It's like winning Miss America. There it is. Different analogy. But in there is a gift certificate to Crackle Barrel for $10. You get you an oatmeal, coffee, whatever you want. So. All right, now we're looking for the dad that has the most boys, most dudes. 
Yeah, testosterone, all of that fun stuff. Okay, so if you are three or more boys, you're already in a zone defense. You're playing zone. Three or more boys, please stand up. Three or more boys. There it is, okay. If you have, should we go to five or more boys? Five or more. That's right. We're going to separate the men from the boys. That's right. There's a varsity and a JV. There it is. Okay. Okay. So we have five here. Okay. Six. Okay. So you've. Right there? Six dudes. There it is. Okay, Dad, I just want you to know that in that book, there is a different certificate, but it's, it's not to Cracker Barrel. You get Taco Bell. You'll thank me later. Thank you, Casey. That's awesome. So, okay, now I'm looking for the most girls. <sighs> okay, make my knees hurt. Okay. Three or more girls, including myself. I have three lovely ladies with a beautiful wife, Chrissy, and that's Kenna, Kylie, and Kate. Those are my, that's my little chick tribe. So, three, okay, three, three, three more. Grandchildren? No. No. No, because you just play and then hand them back out. You know, this is where you're, you're in the pit. You're there. Okay. Four or more girls. Okay. Do we? Uh, okay, let's give him a hand. Four more. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. yeah okay. Five. Do I have six? Okay, wait, guys. Still standing. Okay, let's see. Who has? What is your youngest? Fourteen. What's your youngest? He's asking. <laughs> what is it? 40, so we'll have older serves the younger, so there you go, 14. God bless you. Okay, there it is. There it is. Oh, yes. Your gift certificate is to Go-Go's. $10, which is like a water vapor to what you're going to really be paying for, this monsoon. So anyway... Oh, very, very nice. So, dads, we are excited. I'm hoping, I'm praying that you're going to get some emails, some phone calls, and maybe some pretty cool gifts. If you haven't gotten any gifts, I found a few on Google that are awesome Father's Day gifts. Like for this, (laughs) bacon for men. You love the taste? Why not smell like it? it Or this, how about a wearable sleeping bag? I don't know how you're going to go potty, but hey, you know. Or this. I thought this was really cool, especially if you have a dad with with a bunch of sons. Get your dad this. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And this is one of my favorites, is why not get your dad some Chuck Norris jeans? There it is. That's right. They won't bind your legs. And it's only $19.95. 
boom, that's a deal, okay? One of my most favorite gifts I got, not one of my most favorite girls, just one of my most favorite gifts, was a cool sign that one of my girls made for me, and it said this, Happy Father's Day, Dad. (laughs) Kind of ties into the whole Taco Bell thing, doesn't it? Well, we have been doing this series on difficult questions about the Bible, things that you want to know. In keeping with that, since it's Father's Day, I could always talk about what makes a good father. Because we all know what makes a good father. Sundays on Father's Day is a little hard because we feel like we're kind of sucker punched as dads. But instead of just focusing on what makes a good father, I want to answer the question, why? Why do good dads do what they do? And so here is my simple word picture for you guys. Fathers, you are either a bridge or you are a wall. A bridge leads to life and connection, but a wall leads to death and ruin. And so I have two examples. It's a tale of two fathers, two dads. They're going to live out this story of either being a wall or being a bridge. And so if you brought your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. Philippians 2, verse 25. Raise your hand, and let's be honest, have you ever heard of the man Epaphroditus? Okay? A few of us have. Epaphroditus is the word picture for me for a bridge, a man who is desiring to be a bridge. Let's read Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. But I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is your messenger and minister to my need. Underline the word necessary. This guy is vital. You know, circle it, whatever you need to do. Just, you are so important, Epaphroditus. You are necessary. And then he's described here as my brother. Let's circle it. Fellow worker and fellow soldier. So the first thing that stands out to me is that he is a brother. He's a spiritual leader. The spiritual, lead, the spiritual world leads the physical world. And he says, this is my brother in Christ. He is a worker. He works hard. And he is my soldier. These are great dad descriptions. You are my brother, my worker, and you are my fellow soldier. The Apostle Paul uses this in 2 2 Timothy 2.2 about this man is singular in his goal and in his desire to please his commanding officer. And then I want you to write a box under messenger and minister. That's his job. He is a messenger and a minister. This guy is a communicator. He is, his job is to communicate. Now, being a guy, communication, especially to girls, and it involves feelings, that's really hard. But for Epaphroditus, this is what his strength was. He is a communicator. Now, dads, how many of you remember playing with these guys? Oh, man. These were one of the greatest toys ever invented. Not fun when you step on them in your socks, but it's a great toy. 
I would set these things up. My brother and I, we'd have our rubber bands. We didn't have rubber band guns. We just used, we just started knocking each other over. And we had to pick our army men. And whenever you're playing this game, you always want to pick the guys on the, on the ground, like the snipers or maybe the flamethrower guy. But who's the guy you don't want to pick? The radio guy. Look, he's about to get bazookaed right there. You're like, okay, let's put the radio guy in the very front. <laughs> okay, you got my radio guy. Woo! You know. But then when you saw this movie, oh, wait, no, wait, not this movie, but MASH. Remember MASH? How many guys remember MASH? Okay. Remember the characters? Who's the guy in the very front? Hawkeye. Yeah, that's right. And then who's the gal? Hot Lips Houlihan. And then there's the colonel and there's Honeycutt. These people represent looks and charm, and the colonel represents power. But who was the radio guy? Radar. There he is, little radar with the little round John Denver glasses. There it is. Okay. And he slept with a teddy bear, and what was his favorite soda? Grape soda. That's right, grape knee-high. And so he was a sub-character. He was not the main character, okay? And so Radar didn't seem very important until I saw the movie We Were Soldiers. And this was about the Vietnam War. And you recognize without a good radio man, you're dead. Because you're in the jungle, you just have the radio guy your troops, and everyone out in the woods, in the jungle, and you don't know where anyone is. And the radio man could call down thunder. And that's exactly what Epaphroditus was. He was the vital communication between Paul and between the Philippians, okay? He is the bridge. He is the link. And so, fathers, we are that radio man. We are the link between our family and God. That is our job. We are to be the bridges, Let's read some more verses about Epaphroditus, verses 26 to 28. It says this, 26 to 28, Because he was longing for you all, he was distressed because you heard he was sick. For indeed he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that you may see him again and you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. So underline a longing for you all, that Epaphroditus has a love for the people. It's not necessarily the vision, the values of the mission. He says, I love these Philippians. I love them. And the next part, he was distressed because you were distressed. He was sick, and here is Epaphroditus. He's, he's upset that they were upset. And so he has this deep connection with the Philippian people. A great quote from dads is this, You are only doing as well as your weakest child. No amount of success will cover up for a hurting child. Whenever my kids are not doing well, or my wife's not doing well, it's like a splinter. It's like right there. And I want to do everything I can to alleviate any problems in my kids or in my wife. And so that is what makes Epaphroditus so amazing. And so in verse 29, what does Paul said you're to do? Receive him and give him honor. Just like we do in Father's Day. Receive him and give him honor. And he, why do we do this? Because you know what? In verse 30, you realize that he almost died. It says this in verse 30. He almost died to complete what was deficient in your service of me. I'm not sure 
what was owed to Paul. But you know what? Epaphroditus wanted to meet that need. And so you see, Epaphroditus was a bridge. He was bringing life to the Philippians. He was bringing life even to Paul. And he was that vital connection. But here's the question. Why does he do what he does? Why does Epaphroditus live this way? And here's why. Because his eyes are on the bigger story, on God's story, and not on his own story and legacy, but God's. The second thing is this. The gospel message has further penetrated the, of the, the depths of his heart. It's gotten deeper. He recognizes what the gospel is and how the gospel changes everything about his life. Question. What is the opposite of a bridge? If a bridge gives you connection, communication, and it's vital, what's the opposite of a bridge? It's a wall. What does a wall do? A wall stops you, it intimidates you, and attempts to direct you somewhere else. It's all about image, okay? And we see this from this guy named King Saul. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of King Saul. Most of us have. Because there are over 20 chapters dedicated to the life of King Saul. You get 20 chapters or over 20 chapters versus five verses. And that's why we know Saul. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8. Now, Israel was founded by the patriarchs, led by the judges, and there's a sprinkling of prophets that are leading Israel at this time. The prophet in 1 Samuel chapter 8 is Samuel, okay? But in verse 1 through 4, you can bracket that there's a problem. The problem is that Samuel's kids are not walking with the Lord. A broken family leads to a broken nation. So not only is Samuel's family broken, but all the elders' family don't seem to be doing as well either, okay? And so the elders have a great idea. They think it's just brilliant. They say this. They have a good observation. Behold, your old son, you are, behold, first of all, you're old. Your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like what? like all the other nations. So underline, we want to be just like everybody else. I love my teenage kids. They are such fun to talk to, but we talk about a lot of bad ideas. I've had a lot of bad ideas. And let me tell you, it started with the haircut, okay? I, yeah, I will admit to you in front of all of you, yes, I had a mullet and I wore it proudly. Why, Dad, why'd you do that? Because why? I wanted to be just like everyone else. And so we end up, when we have that philosophy, we end up looking really foolish. Now, why do the elders do what they do? Because they have taken their eyes off the greater story, God's story. They're not focusing on themselves. They're looking at everyone else's story. So what does a good parent do? God says, I'm going to give you exactly what you want. And so he gives them Saul. So if you have your Bibles in 1 Samuel 9, chapter 1, let's skip to verse 2 because I do not want to announce all those names. Okay? Kish had a son. Verse 2, his, num- his, his son was Saul, a choice and handsome man. And there was not a man more handsome than among all the sons of Israel. From his shoulders up, he was taller than any of the other people. 
So why do we love him? Because he's good looking and he's tall. Just like some of these guys. Every generation has their epitome of manhood. For some of you, it might have been James Dean. It might have been uh, John Wayne. It might have been that guy, you know. I love Jason Bourne, you know, because they all do the same thing. Epitome of manhood is when I can walk into a room and I control everything. And if you get in my way, I will roundhouse kick you in the head or I'll chop your head off or I'll just shoot you. So this is the epitome of manhood right here. I can take, I'm good looking and I can take control. Now in chapter 10, verses 22 and 27, you'll see little character marks beginning to fly up. These are some of the little faults of of Saul, like little yellow flags, verses 22 and 27. But it's too late. You are married to Saul. He is your leader. And so now in chapter 13, you see the big game, the big game, okay? This is Israel State with an enrollment of 6,000 students versus the University of Philista with 36,000 students. This is like 6A football, Texas, taking on 6-man. So it's not looking really good for Saul, King Saul. However, this is his first leadership thing, and so he says, you know what? We're going to play this game. We're going to have this war. We're going to have ourselves a pep rally. Let's have a pep rally. Let's have a bonfire. There's only one rule. Who has to light the fire? This is Samuel. Samuel's here to light the sacrifice. But there's a problem. What's the problem? Samuel's not there. And so I don't know where Samuel is. I don't know if he's still at the Crackle Barrel. I don't know if he can't find a parking place. Or he's in line at Walmart and he's decided to write a check. (laughs) But you can feel the tension of Saul. And every dad here knows that tension. When you start shaking because you're starting to get upset... Because things aren't working out well, and everyone's complaining. And so King Saul starts doing the nervous dad pace. Like, where is he? He's making me look bad. What's going on? And so what does he do? Probably does the head rub and says, give me the torch. I'm lighting it because I'm king. And immediately, right after he lights the torch, here comes Samuel. And he says, this day the kingdom has been torn from your hands. And he's given it to another. So why does King Saul, why does he do what he does? Is because he's not looking at God's story. He's looking at his own story. And because he's looking at his own story, it's all about his control and it's all about his image. And so when you read the rest of King Saul, it's about control and image. How do I look? What does this do for me? And what that leaves Saul is he becomes incredibly alone and he becomes isolated. And that's the story of King Saul. Now, dads, if you like military stuff and army men, when we think of walls, are walls really that helpful in the history of warfare? Not really. At the beginning, sure. However, with the invention of the trebuchet, with the clever use of gunpowder and airplanes, walls become what? Pretty much obsolete. And that's exactly what happens to King Saul. He becomes obsolete. And so God removes Saul. Saul makes a ruin of his family and of God's nation, Israel. The nation of Israel was never meant to be a wall. It was meant to be a bridge that would lead to God himself. 
God will replace Saul with a king that has a heart for God. King Saul has a professional army and is going to be replaced by a shepherd king with a group of ragtag followers. Those ragtag followers become David's mighty men, and the golden age of Israel begins under King David. Now, does that story sound familiar? A shepherd king brings a bunch of ragtags and is going to take over the world. That's the bigger story. Now, I have to confess to you guys, I'm going to be brutally honest. I am more like a wall, okay? I may be little, but I'm a wall, okay? Now, here is why I do what I do. My grandfather was a retired lieutenant colonel in the United States Air Force. My dad was a colonel in the United States Air Force. My brother... One and only brother is a colonel in the United States Air Force. Do you think I have control issues? Yes, I do. And I think my mullet told my dad I'm going in a different direction. <laughs> you know, and here's what I have to do. Number one, I have to remember Casey Burke is to be a bridge. I have to listen and I have to communicate, okay? I have to be open. As, painfully, as painful as that is, I have to listen and communicate. My middle daughter, Kylie, is brilliant at this because I'll start talking, and I get more frustrated, and she'll just go, Dad, chill. <laughs> just listen. And I'm like Tom Hanks in League of Their Own. You know. The second thing is this, is I have to preach the gospel to myself every morning. I have to sit there and say, okay, there was a time in my life I was stuck, I am helpless, but Christ died for my sin. He released me. There is no longer a wall between me and God. Therefore, thus, there's no longer a wall between me and anyone else. We are all on the same footing. I'm not a colonel. I'm just a follower of Jesus. The other thing, oh, I have this. Do you have your bulletins, your outlines? Aren't those cool pictures? My daughter, my youngest daughter made those, okay? And so these are little firebombs. And these are the verses that I like to turn to. Write these down in those little firebombs. Galatians 3.28, where it talks about God removing the wall between us and God. And so there's no separation between me and anyone else. And 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Those are the things that I try to quote to myself and I think through all the time. Second question. What if I'm married to the wall? Or what if my kids are the wall? Here's a a, a few things. Number one, do not attempt to scale the wall. You're trying to measure up to their expectations. The walls will continue to get higher. Do not besiege the wall with nagging. Do not build your own wall. Do not abandon the wall. But you yourself need to recall the gospel. Remember what Jesus has done for you. And surround yourself with a bunch of ragtags. People you have nothing in common with except the gospel. You need people that are older than you, that are your age and younger than you, and surround yourself. I think when your ki- whether it's your child or your spouse sees you enjoying your personal Savior, Jesus Christ, and he sees or she sees your enjoyment of the church body, people that love Jesus, that are living for the greatest mission ever and the bigger story, It's like you're enjoying yourself. It's like inviting the kid to come outside and say, hey, look, come outside. 
It's beautiful out here. You're missing out. I've got this guy named Jesus. I've got these great friends. Why would you not want this? You know, Psalms 1. You know, my daughter drew that. Write Psalms 1 on that cool tree because that's what we're supposed to be, this great picture. Or this, Psalms 2 on that little brick wall that is crumbling because here's the reality. Can you break down that wall? No. You cannot break down that wall between you and that person. But God is undefeated at knocking down walls. Trust me, I've read the story. Jericho, Babel, God easily knocks down these walls. And for some of you, Father's Day is very, very difficult. It's just hard because bridges have been removed by death, perhaps by divorce or separation. And I know that there are some men here that having children just has not happened. And not only that, a lot of us carry a wound from our earthly father. We just do. They make mistakes. But let me tell you, Jesus knows that wound very well, very intimately. In Matthew twenty-seven forty-six, you see Jesus on the cross. The Son of God becomes separated from his Father. Jesus on the cross represents the holiness of God. Jesus on the cross represents the depth of our sin. But more importantly, Jesus on the cross represents the bigger story. A story that began in Genesis 3.15. And that bigger story is that the Creator wants to have a relationship with His creation. And He will stop at nothing to have that relationship. And that love is so strong, death could not separate that. So Jesus is the ultimate bridge. He gives us the relationship we do need, a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Jesus fills the gap. Now here's the reality. My father has left gaps, okay? But as I understand the gospel, as I surround myself with a bunch of ragtags, that gap is being filled. I will leave gaps in my daughter's life, but my job as a father is to point them to Jesus. And hopefully that this church body, both men, women, younger and older, surround them and help fill some of those gaps. But we as men, we struggle with this idea of it's about my image and my control. And if we do that, we will become isolated. And our families will become a ruin. It's just the reality. How many of you guys remember Peanuts? Charles Schultz. What a great comic. Great, great comic. We all know there's Charlie Brown, but who is the star of Peanuts? Snoopy. Well, this is one of the last illustrations that Charles wrote. Dear friends, I have been fortunate to draw Charlie Brown and his friends for almost 50 years. It has been a fulfillment of my childhood ambition. Unfortunately, I am no longer able to maintain the schedule demanded by the daily comic strip. My family does not wish Peanuts to be continued by anyone else. Therefore, I'm announcing my retirement. I have been grateful over the years for the loyalty of our editors and the wonderful support and love expressed to me by fans of the comic strip. Charlie Brown, Snoopy, Linus, and Lucy, how can I ever forget them? Charles Schultz. 
When Charles Schultz wrote this illustration, he was facing his own limitations. Cancer was breaking him down. As he considered his retirement, he vacillated between feelings of despair and anger. And in his, in his final television interview, a frail, feeble Schultz said, I never dreamed that this would happen to me. All of a sudden, it's gone. It's been taken away from me. Here we see a broken man coming to the ends of his career and the end of his life. Charles was angry because he felt betrayed by God for taking away his health before he was ready to finish the comic strip on his own. Fellow cartoonist Lynn Johnston wrote of his last days, He had control over the Peanuts universe for 50 years, but he had no control over his death. Charles could not accept it graciously. When Charles Schultz died on February 13, 2000, one person wrote, To his very end, his life had been inseparable from his art. The moment of ceasing to be a cartoonist, Charles Schultz ceased to be. It's tragic. The story of Charlie Brown and Snoopy ends with Charles Schultz. But praise God, we have a pastor that has led us and will continue to lead us in the name that is above all other names and the story that is bigger than any story. And whatever happens, whatever happens, this story, this greater story, God's story will go on. But what we need is men to become the bridge, to be the invisible servants and keep their eyes on the greater story, God's story. And that's what we need. If you're a dude, I'm going to call an all dudes prayer. I want all the dudes to stand up. All dudes, whether you're five or 85. Because I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for all these dads. Spiritual fathers or fathers-to-be, whether physical or spiritual. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for Father's Day. I want to pray for each and every man here. Father, I pray that they will have a clear picture that they are called to be a bridge. They are called to be connectors. They are the link between them and God. They set the examples. They set the tone. They are the radio man. I pray that you will make us a united team, that we will constantly point people towards Jesus, that we will not point people to ourselves. I pray that we will be the men that you have called us to be, Thank you so much for the leadership here amongst our elders. Thank you so much for a godly lead pastor that has lived his life and continues to live his life exalting Jesus and keeping our eyes focused on the bigger story. And I pray that we will do that as a bunch of ragtags that have been changed by the gospel, that have a mission to take over the world in the name of Jesus. Thank you for these men, and we pray for them to have an amazing Father's Day. It's in Jesus' name, amen. You guys are dismissed.